Oh no, I can't even do it. <laughs> this is, it doesn't work well with these mics. It's so much like heavy breathing in there. Maybe, maybe if I'm further back or like if I, if I go like sideways, like. Was that better? Yeah, I think you just need to work on your whistling in general. Oh, well, okay. Thanks issue. a lot. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, well, first and foremost, um, it's Thanksgiving, technically. <laughs> oh, yes. This episode will come out on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Oh, More important. Happy Colonizers Day to all who celebrate. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanksgiving is getting dicier and dicier by the year, I must say. Yeah. So if you're instead of, you know pretending america's awesome and you're deciding to listen to this podcast congrats i'm happy for you congrats Thank we you get taking time out of your long weekend to spend it with us talking about a dystopian world that feels more and more real we get more and more liberal every year or at least i do <laughs> remember shelby liked the um the you know sort of capitalist manifesto that was the barbie movie so but yeah, i did not but i did not of it, but yeah <laughs> And so we, yes, we're here to support. <laughs> who are what are we supporting? Indigenous people. We're supporting oh trans gosh. people. We're supporting all, all marginalized communities. Poor. And, uh, yes. You no, know, we'd like to start with it. No, I'm not trying to be flippant. I I know it comes off that way because you know. No, you we do. Well, our voices just sound sarcastic in yeah, with whatever yeah, we yeah. say. You know, it's like, I can be like, yeah. I love pie. And it's like, do you? <laughs> but it's like, I do deeply care for yeah, it. Yeah, you know, exactly. my favorite food. Um, yeah, just to be clear. So, yes. Um, no. But yeah, also, it is Matt's birthday. Yes. Te- well, yes. Te- my birthday's on Friday. Black well, Friday. Okay. So, but it's Sagittarius <laughs> season now. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness we're done with you those and, nasty Scorpios. Yeah, I know. She, we, I mean, we've, I feel like we've talked about this before on the podcast. I, we, nobody knows what her rising sign is because we don't know exactly what time she was born. Unfortunately, the Swifties have not figured that one out yet. Um, haven't? Not that I could find online, but I oh, think that, that <laughs> yes, but I think that her rising must be, must be one of the bad signs because she does not have generals. <laughs> Sagittarius energy. I don't know enough to speak on this. Sagittarius like are like <laughs> fun, go with the flow, easygoing. Like I thought the Sagittarius are the drama ones, and that's why everyone's like, "Oh, beware, Sagittarius." I mean, season. sometimes Sagittarius like cause drama because they're like a little too party girl vibes, you know? Okay. Like, like okay. they might be the ones who you know are sort of like get drunk at the wedding and throw up on the groom sort of vibe. But there, yeah. but Taylor is a little too, um, like, like she's got a lot of Virgo energy. I feel like, or like, <laughs> um, Capricorn, you know, she's like a little too, like, 
evil genius. Where right. Sagittarius, I think, aren't thinking that much about uh, planning ahead, you know? That's so funny. But anywho. I was just Googling it to try and see if Reddit had solved it, but you're right. Yeah, because what's, what's her right. moon sign? That <laughs> we know. know the Taylor Swift moon sign. Google it. Let me look it up. I'm sure. No. I think we've actually had this same exact discussion okay, on the podcast. Okay, moon sign is cancer. Yeah, see, that makes sense because because cancer is the emotional one. So that is incredibly personal. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So that tracks 100%. But I think whatever her rising is has to be like Virgo energy and that those are just somehow eclipsing all the good vibes. They generally debate around Scorpio or Capricorn. Capricorn. Yeah, she could also be Scorpio. But unfortunately, my moon is also Cancer. So we are (laughs) oddly similar. This is terrifying. But it's because you guys are too alike. So you have to say that's your task this birthday season. Really contemplate what you and Taylor have. I do feel like. I mean, there are people in this world that I do sort of despise and would write hateful songs about. (laughs) Did I have that ability? So we're not going to, we're not going (laughs) to delve into this any deeper. This is my birthday. You're right. You're right. Well, actually, my birthday episode will be next week. This week we're discussing. Yeah. I I don't want to say forgot. We just lost track of time. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because when like. Obviously, we were going to do an episode on this movie. We did an episode on the right. book way back when. So it's oh, kind of like yeah. that takes a little bit of precedence. If we had <sighs> yes. been born in like August and March, it would be much easier. But I feel like <laughs> our birthdays are always the same week that something good is coming out. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's a little tricky. I know. But here we are to talk about the 10th annual Hunger Games. Um, I have to call and check and see if my sitter can actually stay a little bit later uh, to cover this next shift for me because, (laughs) Uh, no, yes, we're discussing The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Try saying that five times fast. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. It's both plural? Both, yes. The the Ballad of the Songbird and the the Snake. The Ballad ballad of of Songbirds songbirds and Snakes. Yes, plural of okay. both. Okay, yeah. I was going to re-listen to our podcast on the book. Oh, no, that'd be too much work. didn't want to read. We had a lot of strong feelings about. I've That came out during the been... pandemic. So remember, yeah, we yeah. were desperate for content. <laughs> yeah, we were like, fine, we'll read this 600-page tome to a villain we don't care about. Um, but I, I definitely felt like it was giving weird vibes. I felt like it was a cash grab. I felt like it was like another one of those like, oh, Maleficent, was she that bad? Or like, how did she get so bad? And it's just like, I don't find villains origin stories that interesting, um, especially when they turn into genocidal, genocidal child killers. But we read it. I didn't like it. I thought it was too long. I felt like there was a lot of poetry happening and the ending confused me. I still remember that to this day. Um, but since then, I've been, like, seeing so many videos on TikTok of, like, people excited for this movie and being, like, people didn't understand the book. People didn't understand it. It was it was, it was was meta. It was ironic. It was meant to make you uncomfortable. It wasn't – it was, like, an anti-villain origin story where it's, like, proving that, no, you're just, like, there's no excusing this behavior type thing. Like, he's a loser. And I was, like, okay, maybe I got it – like, maybe I – Maybe I was biased. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I need to give Suzanne Collins the benefit of the doubt. And so I went into this like 
trying to be open to the themes at all. Um, so yeah, I, I was hoping to have a different experience. I remember liking this book more than you did. I think when yeah. we read it the first time, but I thought, Oh, there's some like pretty clear problems with the book, like structurally uh, some of the characters, like it just doesn't work quite as well as the first, as the, as the first two hunger books specifically the third one is its own uh, you haven't reread the final no, one but, so you cannot speak on but, it <laughs> but the the third one is like more messy just in its structure i think that this goes to what i've said about authors and publishing for a long time and i'm sure i've said on this podcast before when you write a first book or not even a first book suzanne collins had had other books before this mm-hmm. but like uh, if you're writing a book that and you haven't been a massively successful author before, you are subject to, one, your book has to be good for the most part in order to get past, like, the gatekeepers who are working at agencies and publishing houses. Like, like your book is mostly sold on its merit, because especially if you're, I mean, if definitely if you're not an author who's well-known before, like you're not a celebrity or something. And two, you have to, it then goes through multiple rounds of editing and you're not really in a place where you can say no to a lot of those edits. Once you become famous, you can basically write whatever you want. And if your editor wants you to edit it, you can kind of say, ah, no, I don't feel like it because I'm a famous person and you're going to want this book no matter what. And so I can do whatever I want. And I sort of felt like, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes had that energy where there were some things that obviously Suzanne Collins wanted in there, such as a lot of like political theory stuff. The whole final third is kind of wonky. There's all of these songs that Lucy Gray Baird is singing. There's like not quite enough character development and a few too many characters. There's just like a lot of stuff that I think could have been tweaked to make the story better. And I thought, oh, whenever they make a movie version of this, that's the kind of stuff that they'll definitely have to change for the movie version because the movie's going to be shorter and, you know, film people will have more power to kind of like uh, go through this and, and cut some of the stuff that was unnecessary. However, upon watching it, it sticks extremely closely to the books in almost every regard to the point where I was like, oh, this has all the, like, everything that I had a problem with in the book, I have a problem with the movie. There's not, like, that much difference going on between the two of them, which... I mean, I kind of, like, disagree a lot, because oh, I really? think they did make a lot of changes, and they were changes that sort of irked me, because it seemed to put, you know, the spectacle over the character, and that, like, sort of robbed it of any themes it might have been trying to attempt because like remember in the book it's like half the kids die before the games start and then the games you don't really see anything because there aren't hidden cameras yet so it's like all of it is basically just like oh I don't know where Lucy Gray is hopefully she's okay she's just like in a hole somewhere and like and so you don't watch like the kids kill them kill each other that much like a lot of it is like a lot of it is less dramatic in the book than in the movie where they make it like oh he sees the dead little girl and he starts to like gather all the dead and tear down the flag as an F. I think the, the flag thing is in the book though. The flag thing is he takes it like first off and he starts wearing it and he's like, 
losing he's kind of like lucid like he's like i think he has rabies or something i was trying to like read yeah he definitely of differences yeah he definitely has some sort of like rabies but it's thing not in the book like as dramatic with like everyone's hunting lucy gray she's like the target like all these kids don't want to like they're not going out of the way to kill each other really and like they just end up sort of dying from these sort of pathetically sad so so all of it is kind of like the ante's upped in a lot of ways. And then on top of it, you don't have any of the side stories about like Sejanus's parents. And like, I think a lot is different. So it's interesting that that's I like don't... what you stuck to. Well, like, so yes, there's maybe differences in the Hunger Games itself, but I kind of feel like that's sort of a self-contained uh, piece. Like, I, I feel like the... The issues that I have are more sort of like the big sort of structural issues, I guess. And those, I think, are all the same. Like, yeah, they've maybe like trimmed off some of the side plots and things, but not the stuff that I necessarily wanted them to. <laughs> yeah, I no, I mean, I guess high, bro- like high general thoughts is, again, I I felt like the final the the third half of the film, the third half of the book are the weakest. Like once the games are over. Right. Yes. Once Corio is sent to be a peacekeeper, like that just it it fizzles and it fizzles fast. And it's like yeah. the relationship between Lucy Lucy Gray and Corio is so uninteresting and they really struggle to make it interesting here, not even to make it like believable because I walked away thinking like, okay, this isn't actually meant to be a love story. Like he's a creep. That's, that's the takeaway. But then I was focused on Lucy Gray and I was like, well, what is she? Is she in love with him? Because why would she be? Because I remember in the book being more like, is she playing him the whole time? Whereas in the movie, she seems so like earnest that you're like, oh, she really does have a crush on this guy just because he brought her like bread and rat poison. Like, I don't know. It was that weird vibe. Yeah. See, that's exactly what I'm saying about the book and the movie. It's like, yeah, that because the first third, the first two thirds are basically the regular Hunger Games format, but like in a really sort of dated way where it's like the first third is okay. We're picking the tributes. They're going through the sort of whole rigmarole before the games. We're meeting them. I mean, yes, there's differences between the original Hunger Games and this because they're set like 60 years apart and the Hunger Games are very different and sort of the setup. Yeah. 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 But it's like that same sort of like pre-game setup section. Like format. Yeah. yeah. And then the middle third is the actual games, which, you know, we obviously it's again different, but like the same setup vibe. And but then we get this tacked on third act where due to wonky rules of the game that are always sort of confusing the Corio gets sent, yeah, as a peacekeeper, and he goes to the district that Lucy Gray is at, and then we get this sort of like romance, but is it a romance vibes? And then, yeah, and then you get the confusing ending, and then it's done. And that whole part just lacks. It's so uninteresting compared to the Hunger Games, and it's so yeah. boring. And that's when you get a lot of these songs that Lucy Gray is singing. You meet a whole new cast of characters yeah. that's all of her, like, Covey family members who are boring. There's just, like, not anything there that's exciting yeah. plot-wise. You're just sort of waiting to see what happens. And, yeah, their relationship... Like, the thing with the original Hunger Games is that you have 
Katniss and Peeta, who like are a really compelling couple. Like they're okay. interesting people. They have a connection. They have chemistry. And then they also are put in this horrific situation together so they have to kind of like bond quickly and there's like some trauma bonding and stuff in there as well so you can see like why they are put together and also i mean we can get into the acting later but jennifer lawrence is one of the best actresses like alive so i think that she can really sell a lot of that stuff and i think josh hutcherson is also you know serviceable and was a good (laughs) fit for Peta. so it like all works but in this it's like He is sort of using her to get the cash prize. She is like this tribute who, I mean, they spend what, like a couple hours together maybe before the games. And then she's in the game. So he's like watching her, but they really can't communicate. And then, so it's, it's like, how, like, how is that romance formed at all i guess there's some like manic pixie dream girl kind of stuff where he's like maybe interested in her because she's different and she can sing and she's plucky like he knows more about her than she knows about him but but there's really no reason why they would be together and then even once they're sort of out in district 12 and there's maybe you know there's less like stress going on it you never get the sense in the book or the movie like why there is a compelling romantic element there between them other than just like for the plot of the book and the movie they have to fall in love but there's no like what do they have in common what are their interests like there's nothing (laughs) like do they have a sense of humor and i think that neither of these actors for what all they're doing in the movie which again i want to discuss later have sort of the enough chemistry and charisma to sell this relationship that really isn't sellable. Yeah. So that's where I like, I felt most intrigued by the film because in the book, it doesn't work for me. It's third person. It's a lot of, um, snows, like thoughts and perspectives and feelings and his inner monologue. I don't remember. It's not like third person omniscient. So it's not like we get Lucy Gray's thoughts I don't think no I don't remember no I I think it's all from sort of his perspective because because during the games like he sort of doesn't know what she's doing some of the time and we're following I mean and and of course it's from his perspective because the final section or the final showdown is all about him sort of being confused and not knowing things so yeah so we don't we don't know what she's thinking yeah so in the book I was really like like what a creep and I think it worked better for me visually like seeing it on screen because it became obvious like I to be fair I don't think the movie is I have complicated feelings because in a lot of ways I liked the movie more than the book and in a lot of ways it helped me realize what maybe Suzanne Collins was attempting and I actually liked the performances I think because it highlighted sort of the imbalance in a way that I found interesting but I don't think it did I think in the end it still focused on the wrong things and got lost in the like spectacle of it all um which is interesting given it's you know, <laughs> themes it's it's attempting to show. But so Lucy Gray in the movie is sort of like the antithesis of Katniss where she's, she's very like, you know, she's emotional. She's, 
she's happy to play the game. Like she's not literally, but like she's, she understands the need of performance and she's happy to be on stage and she knows how to manipulate a crowd. And I think that becomes to me, the most compelling piece of this film is like feeling like, is she manipulating snow because she knows that's how she's going to win. And I feel like that's more, compelling than like this little manic pixie dream girl like I wear rainbow dresses and I just like I'm just so like (laughs) I love writing songs about my feelings and like you know whereas here I think they play a lot with this idea of her being sort of this snake charmer where she knows how to I I don't know kind of play dirty as needed but also never like revealing too much of herself and so that's why the like sort of slap you in the face Oh, trust is more important than love. Like, I, if you lose my trust, you lose my you lose my love forever. And like, I think Elvis sort of <laughs> Austin <laughs> Butler. Sort of like, are you back? I feel like is happening is like she is playing him, and I found that more interesting, more of an interesting angle than what I felt in the book, which was more like he loves her, so she must like him back type thing. See, and I think that that had they played that up even more, would have made the whole thing more interesting and also would have made the ending stronger because if you got the sense as a reader that she's playing him the whole time and he's sort of suckered in, then that final moment, (laughs) you could have him sort of realize, like, wait a second, have I been played the whole time? But I don't think that's ever... It's never apparent enough to me that that's, like, what is trying to be done. Like, I think you can read it that way, but it's not sort of being sold that way. I I feel like it is a lot of just like the manic pixie dream girl, like I'm part of the circus act kind of a, (laughs) like I'm weird, but isn't that fun? Kind of a vibe that she's giving. Also, I do think like just intrinsically the Hunger Games franchise, like it's, I mean, I like the books and the movies for the most part. Like, I enjoy watching them. But it is sort of one of this, like, have your cake and eat it too kind of a series. Because the whole reason why the series is successful is because you like watching The Hunger Games. You're interested in The Hunger Games. You want to know who wins. That's according to you, sir. <laughs> well, I think that's according to people. Like, I mean, but you're the one who's like, I like to see the third movie sucks because you don't see a lot of deaths. You don't see kids dying in weird ways. Well, I think it plays into, like, the reality. I mean, she says that she wrote the books after she watched like Survivor and other reality shows. Like I think that no, there- she said that she wrote the books after she watched like the war coverage. Well, of yes, and Iraq well, yeah, no, and she- then flipped over. Right, reality. Yes, shows yes, but no, but I mean, it's like it's tapping into that element the re- the like element of yeah, oh we like this up. reality tv we like watching things where like people get eliminated and like yes people are obviously dying in the series but it's fictionalized so and it's in like another universe so it's different than like if you were to just you know like if they were just to pick 12 or 24 people off the streets of new york and like have them kill each other on tv which would obviously make people way more uncomfortable but i think that there's this element of like you it's trying to say a lot of things but then you also have this vibe of like okay but but we're sort of we like watching it anyways i don't know it's it's a little yeah, bit I think tricky that's it's not your therapist. I- <laughs> 
Well, I don't think I, 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 I feel like you're acting like, oh, this is like just me who no. has this issue. But I think that's like the general way that people watch this. I think like, I don't think a lot of people like, but I don't think a lot of people are watching this like, like, wow, I love this sort of like this, you know, very like tragic, dark commentary on, um, you know, yeah, but political systems. Like, that's well, no, no, I understand that. It's that not like they're like, I can't wait to see Rue die. Like, I can't wait to see. No, but I think they're like, oh, what's his face? Like, I it. think like, the Hunger Games are interesting, and I like watching the good guys win and the bad guys sort of lose, and yeah. I like the romance course, element yeah, within yeah. it. Like, I like the adventure. Yeah, like I, mean, I think yeah, if you wanted survival, to make it's a disaster, this, it's yeah, apocalyptic, yeah, like dystopian, like for sure, we all have we have issues as a society with the spectacle of death. But I think that's why she wasn't like trying to say. Like I think I respect the original trilogy a lot because I feel like Suzanne Collins realized that there's this like weirdness to how we absorb trauma, how we, how we need violence to empathize and she calls it out in an interesting way. That doesn't mean that she's glorifying it. I think she's drawing attention to it. And I think the movie and the press or the, you know, I think there are questions to be had about how they promote the film, how they center the sort of like voyeurism of it. But I feel like that's why I end up liking the, like I feel like you're missing the like maybe you're just saying like oh well it's it's a good craft it's a fun thing to watch because it's like wild but I think ultimately you are supposed to be disgusted by it like you're supposed to be like oh my gosh like can you imagine rooting for children in an arena like you're not supposed to be like no no I, I think that she has like a good intent in going into it but like, obviously, I think the the reason why it's successful is because there's this game element on top of, like, the message or or in addition to it. And while I think that that, in so, like, in some ways works really well and sort of calls you out as a reader of, like, oh, like, are you interested in this? Well, like, isn't this sort of, like, disgusting at the same time? It's not, like... Um, there is a certain element of, like, gamification that I think draws readers in, in like a reality TV show-esque way. This isn't like watching, you know, um, like a documentary about, you know, a war-torn area or whatever, where you just leave the the thing being like, wow, this is like, like I've just been like ripped to shreds while watching this. There is a certain level of kind of like fun here that I think is why <laughs> it's so popular. And I, and I don't, and I don't necessarily think that sh- she... I don't know. It, it's I mean, just, yeah, it there's makes humor, a... there's lightness, there's there's people to root for, there's villains. Like, But at the heart of it, I think the message is different in something like this rather than like, I don't know. There's not even, like, it's like Gladiator, right? It's like, sure, there's something about the spectacle, but it's not like you're enjoying the, like, like you're, I don't know. I, I guess I can't I think put it Gladiator is really different. Because I think Gladiator is, like, every one of those battle sequences, like, is hard to watch. Where this, I think there is a certain amount of, like, enjoyment in the <laughs> watching of The Hunger Games. I mean... Like, maybe not for yeah, you, but yeah. for but I think for a lot of people, there 
I think like Enjoyment four people in the sense that it's like well crafted and it's and it's thrilling like it's like oh my gosh what's gonna happen how they do this like it's like yeah there's tension there's you're compelled to watch you're but it's not like yeah let's get our popcorn and watch these kids slaughter each other I think it's more like I think because it's fictionalized there's more of like a it's like watching an episode of like America's Next Top Model or whatever to a certain degree. This is so bonkers to me because to me, these books are so anti-war. They're so anti-like violence. They're they're pointing out how horrific it is to make children. Yes, be no. The, and but so I, you're like saying like, oh, but at least it's fun to see. But it's like, I don't like it is entertainment. I recognize that it is a book. It is a movie. It is meant to be watchable. But to me, even with the humor of Katniss and Haymitch, all of those characters are falling apart at the seams. And that's what makes it compelling to watch is like the impact and the lasting legacy of this violence and generational trauma and delusionment and disillusionment and numbing effect of living in a society that does not care about the individuals that make it up i think that is all like i think that that is a very valid reading of this and that is what she wants you to take away from it and i think that's what you should take away from it but i think that the like in the general mass populace that is making this successful i think that a lot of people are coming to this for the entertainment value not necessarily for the like um you know political agenda which i think is but 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 it's like but that doesn't mean like it's like it's not a comedy right it's not a no but i think it is sort of like an action adventure kind of movie or maybe even like it's more akin to something like watching a horror film where like you know everybody like everybody gets killed but there's a certain like level of um i don't know not like enjoyment is a weird word but like there's a certain level of like who's gonna survive and who's gonna not and how are they gonna (laughs) get killed and in what kind of creative way like I, i don't know there's just like an entertainment factor here that i think the Hunger Games is always going to, like, in any form that it takes, is going to have a little bit of this weird dichotomy, for me at least, that's like, okay, we're we're saying that all of these things are bad, which they are, but then we're sort of capitalizing a little bit on it because it's entertainment value. It, um, it, like, I think it just always is going to have that energy. And in some ways, those two things work really well together because it does sort of make you as the reader or the watcher question why you're watching it and sort of what you're getting out of it and what you're enjoying and what you're not. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people who aren't necessarily doing that questioning and are just sort of taking the like, oh, this is a, you know, adventure story kind of thing. Yeah, I get I get that. But it's like, I think about like, like, for instance, in this movie, like, let's talk about it, is the humor comes from, like, Lucky Well, I'm not Flickerman. saying humor, necessarily. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the, talking the, about, like, sort of the, like, adventure quality Yeah, of no, it. but I'm saying, like, yeah, you have the, like, anxiety of, like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen next? But it's not like you're watching someone stab a trident through a child or watching a little girl with down syndrome walk towards a pit of snakes and be like oh here it comes oh like, yeah no no definitely so it's like not there's still horror involved yes. like you're still uncomfortable by what is happening and that's the intention so it's like 
I think that's what is interesting as a thought exercise about like, oh, let's go back to the first Hunger Games. Like, let's go see how this started. Because yeah, by by the original trilogy, the 74th or 75th Hunger Games, it's like, you know, that's, it's so like, it's such a spectacle. You have Effie there being like, oh, like, you know, all the crazy costumes. You're, these kids are taken to like, the fanciest places told to eat they're like oh if you if you fill your body up too much just go throw up in the bathroom and have more and it's like you're meant to feel like this discomfort at like the division between classes um and so going back i can understand why that's interesting and i like i said at the first announcement of this i was annoyed that this was the sequel she wanted to do or the prequel rather um because it's like who cares about choreo he's the bad guy but i do think the way she talked about it, where she's like i wanted to look at like the po- the reconstruction era and like how after the civil war after world war ii these societies have to like build themselves up as like the untouchable power going forward and like how do you find who to blame what do you do with that infrastructure like i find that interesting and that was my favorite part of the film too is just like you know the capital isn't the capital we know yet like yeah people have cars people have money but there's still they're still like you know, picking up the rubble from the battles or like whatever. And like Corio's family is secretly poor, you know? And, and so all of that, like early bits was interesting and I think compelling. And I can understand why Suzanne Collins wanted to focus on this sort of nitty gritty type of, are these games even worth it? Is this even working? No one cares. It's just all too depressing. And then Corio being the one to be like, well, let's spice things up. I think that's interesting. And I walked away being more like, okay, I understand what she wanted. And I feel like getting out of Corio's head actually helped me appreciate how much of a dickwad he is more, <laughs> strangely enough. Like, I thought the performances here were good and interesting because they lent themselves to these themes that I felt like got lost in the inner monologues of these characters in the book. See, I also find that all very interesting. And I like I like the sort of sociological sections almost yeah. here about like building the games and sort of like, okay, they're not popular. How are we going to get people to watch them? Sort of can we make it more of a game so that people yeah. will think of it less as a tragedy which i think almost speaks to some of the stuff i was talking about before of like okay how do we like make this like more entertainment quality um you know if we can send them things in if we can you know sort of everybody has a mentor and we're rooting for the mentor you know like how do we make that possible and i like those elements of it and i think she does a really good job with sort of the world building here Mm -hmm. i think the part that struggles again is the character development like if we are getting a backstory on snow and you want to take us from oh he's this sort of like nice guy who grew up in a poor or or, like who's lost money and is trying to help his family and he has this nice grandma and a sister and whatever like to then oh this horrible person who is running these games and is like actively murdering children like how do we get from a to b like that's not necessarily an uninteresting story but i sort of feel like this book only goes like the first two steps of it and then doesn't go the rest of the way like yes he's sort of presented with this decision at the end of like okay you can go back to the capital and have money or you can uh stay out here with lucy gray and he picks to go back but that 
that doesn't necessarily mean to me that he has said, oh, yes, like I'm going to sign on and be the, you know, worst person possible. I mean, mean, like, and yes, you can sort of see how like maybe the steps take him from there. But I, I don't know. It, It feels like if we're going to do this origin story, like give me the, the full origin story like don't <laughs> oh, just yeah, sort of hint it like, things yeah, she's probably writing a second choreo book but i don't like but I, but i honestly don't think so because she said that she doesn't want or she said that she isn't planning on it and the okay, movie gosh. ends like there's no easter eggs there's no like hints at things there's no like if they had wanted to set something up here, which yeah, you yeah. know the studio would, they could have done a lot of stuff. But this is like a pretty closed book. I also don't know how you would do a sequel to this that's not like that super, be super yeah. depressing because it yeah. <laughs> would just be like what him like being like, okay, it's the 11th Hunger Games, bring in some kids. <laughs> and at this point, like he's not a mentor. He's not going to fall in love with another one. Yeah. Um, so I feel well, like you- I think it's interesting how you said that because I I like I remember not liking him in the book. I felt like it was lazy. It was like okay, so but in the movie, I don't know if I was just like I think it's interesting watching this movie in our current state of affairs, which we can get into later. But I felt like it was more interesting to realize, oh no, Corio is just like a selfish dickwad from the get go. Like, see, I feel like I knew that in the book. Yeah, of course. But I mean, I mean, to your point, where it's like, how did he go from this to this? I do think you actually see it happen, where he's like, he will do anything to not be the sad little boy scared of like cannibalism, right? Like he's like. I don't care actually about like, I think you watch him descend into this like desperation, not even descend. It's like he's already there. He's already decided like, you know what? I want to look out for me. And so he's 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 rude to his he's like protective of his relationship with his classmates. He he keeps himself like, you know, keeps everything close to his chest. He's friends with Sejanus, but not really, even though Sejanus is like, we're best friends. I have a picture of you in my locket, like that sort of, sort of thing. Even like how he looks down on his cousin for being like too kind or whatever. And he's like taking, he's like, there's something sociopathic about it that I found interesting on screen where he's like, every choice he makes isn't about like, wow, Lucy Gray's a human too. It's it's he's watching how the audience is reacting to her. He's watching how people are reacting to her. He's watching how other tributes are reacting to her. And he's like, he's learning how to mimic like human emotion almost. And then he's like willing to like, you know, he's willing to let his classmate put her hand in the snake pot just to like see what happens. He's willing to write up ideas on how to make the games more compelling. He's willing to let, you know, whatever her name is, use those ideas to make it more messy. And so he is like willing to kill children. He's just like in the book allowed to sort of talk his way around it. Whereas in the movie, it's like, oh shit, this guy is like so thirsty to get out of his own perceived um, marginalization that he will literally push people down to get on top. And I think that that ends up being the only characterization he needs because it's like yeah once you're playing with kids lives then you're kind of like past see i agree with that but i again sort of like with the lucy gray character stuff i think that they just needed to go harder on that because it also a lot of the times feels like he's just sort of like 
um caught up in things and sort of yeah, being he's like a really lazy character. Right. <laughs> like I think if we want like if if you wanted to put this sort of like um like anybody but me kind of quality on him that is in much more interesting character point and you can sort of see how like that would flesh out later in the story when he sort of like either throws when he throws Sejanus under the bus when he throws Lucy Gray under the bus when he like if he were to throw like his sister or whoever but instead we kind of get this like haphazard character who like yes has some initiative in some ways but also a lot of the times feels like he's just doing what he's told or sort of like what he's supposed to and but how I- he does it like thinking about Sejanus being in the games like um god is like you got to go get him or you're dead and he he knows how to manipulate Sejanus to be like oh we can change more from without even though he has no interest in changing from without be- within because he's already like helped god like write this like master thesis on on uh how to up the ante so it's like he's always yeah kind of forced into into these moments but then how he reacts in those moments show more of how he is like when faced with oh i'm gonna go tell my dad about you guys he shoots a woman in the back like you know these aren't like normal human reactions there's someone who's like very happy to ignore anyone else's cause concerns you know <laughs> anything yeah. to just get what he wants yeah like yeah protect his own but i think that that needed to be like stated more clearly i i think there's like a level of i i don't know if this was a if this was you know um i don't know some like indie a24 movie i would i would think oh maybe like some of this like very subtle nuance is what we're going for here but I feel like with something this big, it's just like, oh, yeah, that is kind of like baked in, but it's not like brought out as well or as fine tuned as as it needs to be. I don't know. I think that there's a with this, there's a little bit of like, oh, we want to have our cake, but eat it too. Like we want him like we can't have him be too bad. So we sort of have to make all these situations be like, well, did he have a choice? He didn't have a choice. And I think he needed like, I think we just needed a couple more like defining moments in here where he's like actively has to, because even when he throws Sejanus under the bus at the end by sending in the tracker jackers or whatever, there's a certain level of like, he sends it in, but like, does he like, who's it going to, you know, like, I think it just, everything needed to be clear. And then that final moment with him and Lucy Gray is still sort of confusing and still, it's it it's feels out of nowhere and i don't i don't know yeah, yeah. No, i agree it, it it fumbles in the end and i think that's because it, yeah it does hold back its cards a lot i think and and i'd be curious to know why or like to figure it out but i also think it's like stepping back it makes sense like he doesn't want I don't know. Like, I think it the movie made it more interesting for me. And that's not to say it may... Like, I really do think the third half is... The third... The final third is, like, honestly, I'd get up and leave and just, like, miss it. I don't think it matters that oh, much. Oh, yeah, it's I so think, boring. I think it's not also, even just boring. so it's long. Like, yeah, it's like Lucy Gray's given nothing to do. I think they could have really helped her be more interesting because the changes they made to her was, like, weird and... And, like, sure, there's some parts that are interesting. Like, when he's, like, 
I've killed three people. Like I just. Oh yeah. It's yeah. But then who exactly? But then I was trying to figure out who are the people that he's killed. He killed the tribute when he was saving Sejanus. Right. And then he killed the mayor's daughter. And then yes. he killed Sejanus by, you know. Oh, that's okay. So that's the, the third yeah. person that he's yeah sort of counting. Okay, gotcha. And so, but it yeah, I think the third is definitely the weakest. And um, but I do think. I appreciated how the film set him up to be this sort of loser. And I think that's why the movie feels weaker than the other ones is because you don't have anyone to root for. Like literally everyone in this film (laughs) sucks. And Sejanus is just like a sad boy who like is the most relatable probably to many audience members where they're like, yeah, why are these people going along with this? But ultimately is a tragic, you know, hero. And then Lucy Gray is like, she isn't given enough, so she's not compelling enough to be the yeah. the the um, person to root for in the film. Well, that, so it is confusing to watch. Like, I mean, yeah, I didn't hate this movie necessarily, but I, I just sort of felt like, oh, a lot of the problems with the book, I wanted them to fix, and they didn't. Like, with all yeah. three of those characters, it's like, yeah, you either need, like, either give Lucy Gray more, or give yeah. Sejanus more, or give Corio more. Honestly, just, like, a more, like thorough direct character arc and instead they all sort of had what they had in the book which is like kind of something but kind of not and for a movie that's this long to have all of the main characters sort of feel underdeveloped is weird but I think part of that goes into the fact that there's just so many characters and so many different things going on and even with like the Hunger Games setup you have 24 tributes you have 24 mentors there's just like too many people in the mix to keep track of where the original hunger games it feels like a lot more focused on you know on a select few people rather than this for um far-reaching thing i also think that this movie like was not helped by the fact that I think the supporting actors are really strong because (laughs) Jason Schwartzman and Peter Dinklage and Viola Davis are obviously like three really incredible actors. And I think that they are taking what they are given and really like hamming it up to a large degree to make those scenes sort of work as well as they can. And yeah. also they're sort of given, you know, Maybe these the more like characterization, like, um, like uh, caricature type characters yeah. rather than somebody who's like actively developing. But then the Sejanus, Lucy Gray, Choreo trio, I think are obviously like the weakest actors in the bunch. They're not necessarily bad, but they are, they already are sort of given harder characters to play that don't have as much going on. And then I don't think the actors are as strong. And then what's her face? Um, Rachel Rachel Zegler. God bless her. I, feel I like thought she was good. She, and I liked her music in it. It was like, too much music, but I liked well, her. Well, I mean, she's a good singer. Yes, I'll give her that. I mean, the <laughs> songs were all sort of weird because they're the actual songs that Suzanne yeah. Collins wrote for the book that then somebody or another just had to come along and turn those lyrics into music. Yeah. So it's like it, it all feels a little like not quite fully worked out. <laughs> but it's like she's doing this 
like ludicrous accent, which yes, I know like, oh, she's from the Covey, they're in Appalachia, they're traveling. Like, like there, you can think through and be like, okay, yes, there's a reason why there's an accent, but nobody else in the, yeah, nobody else in the rest of the franchise has been doing accents. You know, it's not like, no, or even, yeah. So it's bizarre that she has this like intense, like, like foghorn, leghorn, like Elvis, level southern accent when nobody else really does and then she's also just like her acting is so much like it's so much acting in every scene it sort of feels like somebody popped by set one day and said like you know there's there's talent scouts uh in the audience like if if you do a good job like you might get cast she just like feels like she is trying to sort of match like viola davis's energy in some of these scenes i mean not that they're in scenes together really but like um i don't know it's just a lot and i don't know if that is what is best for the character like i think that this the character i mean one it's poorly written so like whatever like she's she doesn't she is sort of manic pixie energy but i think she needs to have like a little bit more like i don't know sly cunning and a little less like overacting um and yeah it just doesn't i think i think her character adds to but it adds to (laughs) the like manic pixie dream girl i feel like energy because she's so much and it's like she's a wild girl um where like color where katniss is never you know it's like she's she always feels like a real person where lucy gray does not feel like a human that i've ever interacted with (laughs) Well, how many folk stars are you talking to? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I walked in expecting the worst, so maybe I was just pleasantly surprised that I found them good and good. Like I thought, I thought they were good. I didn't, I didn't know the. I don't think the choreo actor's been in anything, right? Anything yeah, he's know? just been in a bunch of. Yeah. Uh, like he's had small bit roles in some British yeah. things or whatever. I thought he was fine. Yeah, I, I so mean, I liked them, but I see your point, and it is like. I think it does come back to the point where I want to give the benefit of the doubt and like I could sit here and write a thesis on like, well, actually, like I think Lucy Gray's like descent, blah, 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 blah. But I do think face value, how it's written, what she's given to do, especially in that third act, it's it's rough to watch because you're not really given access into her. And maybe that was like, you know, intentional, like, oh, why should we be given like Corio doesn't even like dare to ask her how she feels. So why should we get to know how she feels type thing? But it's like, yeah, it's not servicing the the narrative in the film in the way it needs to to like make it a compelling piece of the movie. Um, so, yeah. And, and, and Viola Davis was just really good. I feel like in the book, that character seemed so weird to me that it was almost unbelievable but then watching Viola Davis walk around with her blood like gloves on I really liked those details and that's the thing about these movies is they always know how to like build a set they know how to like make it feel real and this movie felt expensive it felt like they cared a lot about the details so every set piece every like even the arena with the spooky like enjoy the show like I really thought those details were phenomenal and it made the world building like one of the more interesting parts of the movie yeah I really yeah the the costumes the yeah yeah, everything is like 
worked out really well. I, yeah. Suzanne Collins and, you know, the movie people do a great job in building this world. Like, the world of The Hunger Games is a very fascinating one and yeah. one that I want more of. Like, I think there's a lot of interesting stories and plot lines that you can sort of could build into this in a lot of different ways. Um, I don't know that this is necessarily my favorite version of it, but I, but I do. Yeah. It's like, I will always watch or read whatever. I mean, I guess I don't want to say always because, (laughs) because who knows we could end up in a Marvel situation, you know, where it's like, we we have three TV series (laughs) and six movies a year. And I'm like, no, I actually am. I have had more than enough Hunger Games. Thank you. But I feel like, in general, like, if she writes another book, I'll read it. If there's another movie, I'll watch it. Like, I I think that it's always doing something interesting. Yeah. Sometimes, I think, I think with this, they're just, like, we needed one more person to sort of come on and ask a couple questions and be like, hey, let's tweak yeah. some things. And that would have really taken this from, like, a sort of B-minus m- book movie, I think, to something that could have been, like, more A quality. Yeah. But there is a lot of good stuff here sort of hidden in the mix well yeah and i think honestly the weirdest part is how this was positioned and kind of like i know that they were limited in their promo because it was you know the the strike was happening while they had a waiver happening oh they did yes well i feel like all i kept seeing was like all these influencers being invited to like dress their capital best and i'm like are we really like like it just felt like it missed the point in trying to be so i don't know ironic or meta or whatever it is because at my theater they were handing out at the end capital pins and i was like what see that's the thing though that i feel like you are coming to this from from i think like the correct angle but like not the same i think the things that you like about this series are not necessarily the things that the average person likes about this series and that that is sort of where some of this dichotomy is coming in where it's like she (laughs) is where maybe she's writing these books like truly with your perspective in mind and other people are just co-opting it but i do think there's a little bit of like entertainment here that is uh that is what is selling tickets whether or not she or you like that aspect because yeah, yeah the sort of like dress up like the capital where where the capital pin like do 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 sort of <laughs> vibes are are not the like you know this is a yeah. war torn area with children being murdered kind of uh so well, that's you know? also why it was like i think yeah like i said at the beginning is actually one of my least favorite changes is how they made the games more prominent like the actual 10th hunger games more prominent and violent and it was weird like watching them zoom on on like kids dying and sitting there in an audience and being like oh i mean this is what i go home and do like you know watching the strikes in gaza and like thinking about hearing the palestinian voices and how we like we what's the word we like we like raise up these martyrs but we're doing it from like far away where all we can do is like watch and like all we can do is like oh not them you know it's like it is very discombobulating and I feel like I can understand why Suzanne Collins would want to write something that tries to ask the audience to like sit with that and be like do you feel uncomfortable yet um but yeah, maybe I think there's a lot of people who are just plane. like too numb to, you know, feel that they're sort of like, this yeah. is fictional. Like it's sort of like a fun world that is created. It's not real. 
um, entertaining kind of vibe that is not necessarily the most uh, healthy, I guess. Yeah. No, and I think that's why I probably liked the movie more than the book because it comes at a time where it really hits me over the head of like, ugh, why do we keep doing this to each other? Like, it feels more real even in its absolute, like... I mean, unbelievability. This is the same franchise that turned the Hanging Tree song into a club <laughs> remix, mean, you know? Well, so it's that. like, uh, you know, there's a certain level of like, okay, we are like recognizing this terrible thing, but then also we're like making it a good time. <laughs> I don't know. There's a. Yeah, it's, it's complicated. A, it's, it's a messy. weird. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Um, but yeah. No, nothing new Hunger Games has been announced as of yet. So. Which I do find sort of fascinating because it feels like in the, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, J.K. Rowling world that we live in, now is the time to be like, and we have a new franchise or whatever. But yeah, there's been nothing. So yeah, intriguing. I think the way she talks about her writing process gives me a little bit more faith in her. But yeah, we'll see. No, definitely. I mean, the fact that she hasn't done more already is honestly, I think, a good sign of things to come but um or or if not things to come yeah. but 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 yeah like if we get another version i think it will be something because she has something interesting to say yeah um but yeah, just just she does need a a more vicious editor to just curve those pages down because it, it does yeah. feel long and even this felt bloated in a well i mean it's three hours and the worst hour is the last one yeah. so that's <laughs> always tough for a movie when it's like oh the end is bad um yeah. but i just like uh, do not want to watch them cuddle like i don't need that you know no no and i don't need to see her sing anymore you know <laughs> We like got it. It's okay. like we got maybe two songs is all we really need. Yeah, we don't. Like, I don't do need a full more. concert in the back <laughs> half. Um, yeah. Where she's like Ginny uh, she's or like, whatever, like Maud Ivory, get on up here and sing a song. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been great. Glad we've revisited this uh, for a second time on the podcast. We'll be back <laughs> next week with my birthday episode. Um, which topic's still pending. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but yes, we'll be back next week with that. Um, thank you for listening. I uh, hope everybody has a lovely Thanksgiving. Hope everybody celebrates my birthday and sends me gifts in the mail. Um, and yeah, see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.